What on earth is that? It's a Journey in the Comics Network production! The following podcast, scheduled for one fall, is for the Journey into Wrestling Podcast Tag Team Championship. Because the Warhorse will fight until he breathes his last breath. I got the whole damn world in my hands. Your arms are just too short to box with God. You just made the list! But the man is back. Daddy's home. Ricky ain't about just taking titles. I'm about taking this up to another level that you've never seen before. I'm a wildfire burning across the countryside. I am Napalm Death. Welcome to Villain Enterprise! No fame, no company, no entity. All pro wrestling. No more questions. Not that damn now. What's up, WrestleManiacs? Welcome to a very special, hmm, very different episode of Journey into Wrestling. Today I am the Podfather Nate. Joining me as always, my buddy in crime, my partner, my friend, Buckles. Welcome to the show, friend. How we doing, man? Um, been, I, a, been an interesting week. I would say that from the time we last recorded to today, I feel like the world got flipped upside down like one of those blizzards at Dairy Queen. They're trying to prove that is good, you know, and they do this, and they're like, hey, check it out, it's good. But when the cup went upside down this time, everything came the fuck out. And um, it's, re- it's really interesting yep. for you and me because as people who have been covering this product, this wrestling world for over 365 days straight at this point, the amount of shows we've done, not necessarily week to week, but just covering the product. Um, in this past year, we had a really interesting thing where uh, formerly Luke Harper, Brody Lee, debuted in AEW. And it was this huge moment. If you go back in the annals and listen to you and I talk about it, we talked about how it was probably one of the best signings they had at the time. We talked about how it could be huge for the Dark Order and what that meant for that group. And there was a lot of promise. Huge for him. It, uh, huge for him. Absolutely. Um, Put him right in the spotlight. I mean, he as, had a world title match. He yeah. was, you know, a, a, a TNT champion. Well, like, as the hope going in, like, you and I talked about it before. We were both fans of him in WWE, uh, fans before then when he was still big, big, really, that we had really hoped and really wanted to see him break out in WWE and thought that he had gotten kind of an unfair shake to an extent. Well, he had, he had that role where he had that role where he almost had the big, big program with Orton, but there was no gold or anything to kind of back it up. No, no, he had, you know, the intercontinental reign, he had multiple tag (laughs) reigns, uh, should by all means should have been involved in the Orton, uh, Wyatt program at WrestleMania. Absolutely should have been. Um, and then he really kind of got, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, he got screwed by WWE because they kept him on his contract when all he wanted to do was wrestle. Like, but they, they held him off for a long time. 
brought him back from Bludgeon Brothers, whatever. Um, and I mean, that repackage really was nice. The Bludgeon Brothers was a good thing. It was a little weird, a little strange, but it worked. Yeah. Um, but we all still wanted to, see, we were all excited to see him go to AEW because we wanted to see him actually get his real, you know, single shot to show what he could do outside of tag division and what given actually given a focus and given a push on his own right, see what he could do. And he knocked it out of the park. I, I, I didn't think he was going to be coming in as the exalted one. I wasn't truthfully, wasn't really thrilled about it. I wanted to see the comeback of big rig, but that's just personal preference on my end. But even so he killed it as Mr. Brody and made it even better than anything we could have hoped for. He definitely you know, wasn't encapsulated just a, a character that is timeless now. Like his short run like, in AEW, which, you know, obviously if you're watching this, you probably do know the news. We shouldn't be very vague about it from this point forward. Brody passed right. away, man. And that was... Um, day, after, day after Christmas. Right after we fucking had recorded and everything. Like I was still riding high from last episode. We were, you know, mm-hmm. talking about... I think the thing that be, really got me, though... Real quick is just that you and I had talked and had this whole conversation weeks ago about like what's Brody doing? Where's he at? What's going on? Why have they kept him off TV for so long? Right. Mm. And honestly, just to give you a the full on timeline, we recorded on on Christmas Day, Friday, and then uh, the episode went live Saturday. Went up on YouTube and everything, and I went to go through my customary. Okay, we're going to put it on Twitter, tag a bunch of people. This is how we're going to try to advertise it a little bit more. And I just literally just finished posting the episode to our Twitter feed and jumped back over to the main feed, just my normal timeline, scrolling through to see if there's any you know, funny shit, anything news-wise. And all of a sudden, I start seeing this trickle of, oh, my God, oh, my God, this isn't happening. You tell me this is not real. R.I.P. Brody Lee. And I, I'm, I'm sorry, what? And... It got to me quickly enough that I sent you a Facebook message, which is normally how we're communicating. And when you didn't answer right away, I turned around and texted it to you, which I don't normally do. Yeah. So I'm like, I need to get him this information like right fucking now. Yeah. For and sure. it, it, it went from just a trickle to a couple people to a few people to whole timeline and just immediate outpouring. And, kind of setting up how the rest of the week would go just that one night, that first night within the first two to three hours, you have everybody from AEW wrestlers to independent wrestlers to WWE wrestlers, promoters, anybody that's ever had any contact with them that has any sort of a presence on Twitter. Even people who just interviewed him are all like within the hour, just good stories down the line and how much they loved them and how much, he meant to them and how much you know good he left in the world and it's awesome it really is awesome and it was bigger than his presence in the ring and that's what the important thing is everybody is talking about the man he was backstage not where everybody could see just the person he was with the boys the person that um you know had his own experience and in a lot of ways i feel this in my life because and and not to compare myself to to john huber or anything like that i don't i don't know that's not it but what i'm saying is I've experienced a lot of different things that have led me to now where I'm in my career and I can tell people like these are the ways you can be successful and these are the ways you can avoid defeat. 
And giving that knowledge to somebody who doesn't have it is invaluable. And it does make you special to that person. And he didn't limit who he would mm-hmm. give that knowledge to. He gave it to literally anyone who would willing to sit with him and listen. And he was a larger-than-life character. Of course you're going to sit down and shut the fuck up and listen to what he had to say. You know? So the when it, I saw that got, text, man, it, it, got, uh, it set me back. I was not, like... Yeah. 2020 has been this really crazy thing where a lot of unexpected shit has happened. You've experienced it. I've experienced it. We've all lost. I said it in my post or whatever on Facebook. But there are three times this year that took me so far back. Like, even... And it's not even in my personal life. Personal life shit. I've had crazy shit happen this year. But the 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 news of Kobe Bryant's passing was utterly shocking. Mm-hmm. The news of Chadwick Boseman's passing was utterly shocking. And here again, Brody Lee, it was utterly shocking. It took me back. I just I was stunned. I was cold numb stunned. There's there's something to be said this year in particular that we, I, because of COVID, specifically because of COVID, we are hearing deaths every day. Uh, hearing a death in a family, hearing a death in, you know, a statistical form. You know, we're up to almost or over three hundred thousand at this point. We're used. We're. I hate to say we're getting used to he- hearing about death on a daily basis, but we're at this point conditioned to well, that person had COVID, or that person's been sick, or. That person is elderly and is now getting sick. So those three that you just mentioned are all young age and came out of absolutely nowhere. So that makes them hit even harder this year in particular. For sure. Because and then, it's something we are we are we're we are 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 kind of inuring ourselves, kind of armoring ourselves to expect that if somebody passes, it's because of this. It's because of, you know, something that's wasting them away or some sickness or something that's you know, we had Maybe the sickness was something that we didn't see coming, but once we knew about it, we could see it coming down the road. Did you see you know, uh, we had time to prepare for it? Did but, you see Jr.'s yeah. post or his uh, little where somebody covered his grilling with Jr. because he just recorded one like right after Brody passed, and uh, no, I, I didn't. He know. was talking a little bit, and and he said this, and and if I if this is wrong or if this is not. Actually, what happened, forgive me. I'm just trying to cover the, the the things I saw and give it to you guys because I think it is important to note. According to JR, um, he had double, Brody had double lung failure, totally. And mm-hmm. uh, they took him off his machine. Essentially, doctors said we have to take him off the breathing machine to see if his body is willing to still fight. And that's when they lost him. So that's really like fucking I- uh, crushing. I, I I don't know specifics. And I really tried not to get into too much of the specifics. They did say that back in October, not too long after he had the TNT title uh, loss, that he tried to go through a workout and came up winded from it. And it just never got it back. Um, but I, I didn't want, I'm not the type that needs that much. I'm not going to say closure, but I didn't, I don't need to know what it was. Sure. Um, but the fact that his wife immediately came out and said non-COVID related lung issue and the fact that he was being treated at the Mayo Clinic of all places is not a good sign. You, you don't go to the Mayo Clinic if you're having a minor issue. So yeah. and apparently they've known it was an issue. They just didn't. Want, I mean, out of privacy of the family, which is great. 
didn't want to say anything until or back since October. So, I mean, while it's all sudden to us, it wasn't to the people that were close to him. Yeah, to the boys and everybody, it was a long, terrible, arduous. I mean, God, can you can you I, imagine I yeah. every phone call that they got from his family leading up to, to what actually the inevitable like every time Amanda called John Silver to just check in and say, "Hey, this is how Brody's doing. This is what's going on." Every time his phone rang, it was a heart sinking. Oh my God, here it comes feeling. And then to still I, end up yeah. with that is fucking uh brutal. Out of and I, I hate to bring this up. I don't even really want to touch on. It. I don't even want to bring up the guy's name, but my respect for her specifically has gone way up just for the fact a being on TV less than a week after your husband's died. That's, that's balls. That's a lot 100%. of balls. And she is, she comported herself very well, but to deal with some of the other shit that she's had to deal with, I get, I, again, I don't want to give the guy's name. He wor- uh, wrote for uh, PW torch. Did you hear about all this shit? Um, no, I didn't, but I'm sure it's not. Good. I'm, I'm just going to touch on it briefly. I, I call him this for that website. Uh, this is the website that Wade Keller runs, um, or at least writes for. <clears throat> um, posted an opinion article saying that she needed to disclose full information to everybody. I did see online this. because we needed to know what happened, and she if she didn't, then she was a terrible person. And he, this this columnist, lost his job at PW Torch because of it. Thank God. Because it was just an unrepentant, ambulance-chasing dick move. And she even, to the extent where she had to release a statement explaining all of what happened. Or not even not even like full-blown details, but explaining when he started getting sick and the, the workout thing and all that. But imagine having tried to, to have to defend yourself. To, defend, to have to defend your yeah. husband's death right after he fucking yeah. died. Like, right. And you're dealing with two children who right. lost their dad. One kid who, I mean, it's it's really, listen, I've had Ollie in my life since he was tiny, and I know this just as a fact. The littler boy, what is it, Noah? Nolan. Nolan, he's not going to have as much r- residual right. impact from this as, we'll, as Brody Jr., I will, um, we'll talk about Brody Jr. here in a bit. Obviously, but um, um, I think we—I I mean, I think that with this guy being a dick, like I get it. In this era, you're trying to chase the headline, and I get where where not where he's coming from because there's no—it's not his place to get that information at all. Like it's no one's place to have that information. Yeah. But if you want the information, go about it a totally different way. Be like, listen, there I was, was a huge there fan was... of Brody, and there's a hundred million more questions now than answers. And when you're ready, Amanda, yeah. I'm sure we'll all know the story. But until then, you know, go be yeah, safe was, and well with your family. There was no journalistic integrity whatsoever. There was well, no then he attack. doesn't deserve to no, be a no, fucking journalist, man. No, no, he doesn't. And he's rightfully gotten his comeuppance on that. But it was an interesting thing to see that and the the amount of and everybody processes grief differently. There's no there's no right way to do it. There's no wrong way to do it. I mean, well, I'm sure there are wrong ways to do it, but um the amount of like because just due to time, first thing that aired after his passing was Monday Night Raw. And the all eyes on WWE, what are they gonna do? 
Uh, we just had Pat Patterson's passing and they had the 10 bell salute. Are they going to do the same for Brody? Uh, they had the graphic up on the front. And honestly, I, I shouldn't say raw was the first. Well, yeah. Uh, Monday night raw was the first show. Um, they immediately started off the show with it's Monday. You know what that means. And, and, uh, and Drew McIntyre doing the it's Monday. You know what that means? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was tributes from Xavier Woods and tributes from, uh, from Alexa Bliss did a yeah, Alexa yeah, Bliss yeah. Did the yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was beautiful. All of it beautiful. Subtle too. Very subtle. However, there was never a 10 bell salute. There was no, like there wasn't a whole lot on there. And people, namely Brian Myers, uh, took WWE to task for it. And whether that's right or wrong, I can't blame Myers. I have a thought, though. Grief is grief. Grief is grief, and he lost a friend. I get that. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But here's here's my thing, because I thought the same, like, oh, they didn't do the 10-bell salute. That's weird. But then I thought about it, because in this world, you can't just jump to, oh, they're assholes. First of all, the fact they put up a graphic says anything about them. He was literally still an AEW talent when he passed. Mm -hmm. The fact that they're even acknowledging he existed as a human is a step for WWE. Yes. Them allowing the talent to then pay tribute in their own beautiful way with the subtlety is mm -hmm. awesome. But I think they were allowing AEW, that's... his home company, to mm -hmm. give that 10-bell salute because that's, that's what was fair. That's um, something that's come up since then is that uh, there's a rumor, I don't know how true it is, I'm, I'm hoping that it is true, that they wanted to let AEW take the first step. Like They were saying, oh, no, you guys go ahead. Yeah, because what if they the put notice how AEW put out their tribute video and mm -hmm. then only 36 minutes after that there was a, or like maybe it was the next morning there was the WWE tribute, which they obviously had and were sitting well, on. Well, WWE, well, the thing is they weren't sitting on it so much. They didn't film it until like they filmed that at Raw. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. They had it at I Raw. Mean, and you know that they, they they filmed it at Raw. They may not have had it put together that night. I got you. I got so I'm you. saying they may not. That's only a, that's only a 48 hour difference, and it may be close enough to no. We're not going to undercut it. We're not going to make this a competition thing. Which, if that's the case, good on them. Yeah, it doesn't need to be a competition. It shouldn't be a competition. And the fact that they allowed, and maybe it's the fact that they knew that AEW was going to do the full show. That I mean, obviously WWE's done it. They did it for uh, for Owen. They did they it for him, Eddie and Chris Benoit. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> the fact they they understand the the meaning behind it, and they're willing to say, "You go ahead and do it." I'm willing to give WWE the benefit of the doubt. I'm not willing to give WWE the benefit of the doubt of fucking anything. Same, but man, I'm willing same. to. I'm willing to on that. I'm willing to on that regard. I will say, um, uh, Cornette said something real quick. I want to. I want to bring up about how, and I thought about it, and he's right. This is a very, very interesting first in wrestling history with Brody's passing, because okay, with Owen's death, he was a WWE lifer essentially, and that was a tragedy, obviously, and he was still in his prime, and he got cut cut down early. Uh, Eddie Guerrero, same thing. In his prime, cut down early. Wasn't a WWE mm -hmm. lifer, but he left a dying company before it died. Right. And he made his own been, way in WWE. Yeah. Had his own um, well, legacy. Well, when Eddie, when, Eddie, when Eddie passed, WCW wasn't a thing. Correct. Also, It was correct. already gone, yeah. So th this being the first time ever we've had a crossover star, someone who left one company, went to another company, but then within a very short frame of time passes away, 
while both companies are still running. The impact, yeah. and that's not a play on words or the wrestling promotion here, the impact has been felt universally. This is there's almost... Also the, there's uh, also the, the thought that not only Brody may be most known for AEW and WWE, but he also, unlike Owen and unlike Eddie, did a lot of indie stuff in North America prior to. So he touched more people than just those two companies. Correct, correct. And he carried those experiences throughout. So it's like... Mm-hmm. Uh, this is really strange and really bizarre, and you know it, we're living in this weird twilight world where I hope 2021 is not nearly as cruel and unkind as this year has been. Uh, but I think now is probably a good point. We're not going to fully shift gears because I think it is important we cover the celebration of life, the actual uh, AEW mm-hmm. tribute show. Quickly, though, I want to say this, and I want to say this in a way that isn't super offensive – but I want Buckles, you're old enough to remember, and some of our audience will be as well. Brody's passing to me is like 9-11 in America because it brought everyone the fuck together. Everyone stopped thinking for themselves in the wrestling world just for a minute and are like, oh, fuck, my friend I, is yeah, gone. Yeah, behind that. I and all behind these that. promotions, WWE sharing AEW stuff, AEW literally having WWE wrestler images on their mm-hmm. tribute and mm-hmm. images that weren't used in the fucking WWE tribute. Different. Right. I mean, that's mind blowing. Like, like, there's one image in particular that I want to. I'll shout out when we get to it. But, um, I that's a it's a odd comparison to make, but it is very appropriate. Um, you know, comparing anything to 9/11s is is feels kind of grandstandy in a way, but in a, in a microcosm, in a small way. It is a 9-11-esque moment, and you're very right in the in the manner, but just for the WWE, or not WWE, the wrestling world. Correct. It yeah, was it a snaps made the people. wrestling world. Yeah, it, it's it's an it's an apt comparison. It just when you you have to think about it that way. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I, like I said, um, I don't want to take away from the the loss of life that happened on 9-11. That's obviously right, like a right, very legitimate right. tragedy, right. and 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 I was greatly affected by it. But, but it, it I just it yeah, reminded me. Because I remember the days after 9-11, we were all so fucking united and driven. And granted, there was a lot of racism and terrible shit still happening behind the scenes because of, uh, you know, the xenophobia and all that. And that's also not good. But again, the unity that the majority of Americans felt is what I feel like the unity that literally all of wrestling is feeling right now. There's not maybe there's like one guy who's an actual asshole who didn't like him, but we'll never know because there's too many good. Right. And you know what's even crazy? Here's how good we know Brody is. Brody is good enough, and I'm gonna and, and and this kind of circles back to that celebration of life episode. Brody is good enough that in his own way, his passing and his impact in the wrestling world caused MJF, whether anybody even recognized it or not, to break kayfabe. Full blown break kayfabe, and no one noticed it, and I love it. I sure as hell didn't. So we'll check it out. So he plays up the heel, right? He's right. the only wrestler that didn't wear the Brody armband. Right. But if he his, his whole involvement in that match was heel, yeah. But if he was going to be a true heel, he would have never let Brody Jr. touch him. There would never have been any satisfaction on that end. But that's a babyface, subtly move, to pay tribute and say, hey, man, I loved your dad. 
and I can't be all emotional because it will kill my character because my character is built on kayfabe. So in in a way, he honored he broke kayfabe by honoring kayfabe. Exactly. That's exactly how yeah, I was. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can so see that. It's it's Honestly, it's really brilliantly done. Yeah, and we 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 do need to get into that episode because it is part and parcel with what you just commented about that bringing you together because this was the show. This is what everyone needed. That episode, and it, you know you can make the uh, the comment that yes what the people at AEW needed they needed the release i think we all did uh, we i made a comment uh, later on in the ep- or in the evening uh made a tweet cuz i live tweeted the show i never live tweet AEW but i did that one um that AEW i mean flat out knocked it out of the park everything that night wednesday night was perfect pitch perfect from open to finish from having the, I mean, even past the finish, from having the 10 bell salute to the wrestler individual tributes to commentary, you know, bringing him up to having the, uh, the different interviews, Moxley, Jericho, uh, Eddie Kingston, all that to the gestures they made to the family, everything. And at the end of the night, I said, you know, the two things that need to be said is a thank you to Brody Lee for, for all the memories and thank you for everything that he had given to us as fans and to the business as a whole and to the people there, but also AEW is deserving of thanks for letting us all grieve together. Yeah. That, that cannot be understated. Um, the, and I, and I mean, we could break the show down. I don't even know if it necessarily needs to be. There were so many different references, honestly, the, one that the moments that kind of popped me, honestly, my, my first experience, my first viewing, my first uh, encounter with Brody Lee of any way was a moment from Chikara where he boots Tim Donst in the face and just absolutely brutalizes him when he's getting his knee pads checked and everything. And then immediately you have evil Uno doing the same to Eddie with the same referee. It's Bryce Remsburg as a referee. Loved it. So, absolute perfect callback to that um you had so many people doing the kiss and the arm wave anna J. uh you know uh, boom boom doing it a couple times everybody uh Stu grayson doing the uh, the truck stop the brody brody slam boss man slam um you have john silver who i'm, I'm noted to be a big fan of and i'm honestly kind of tearing up a little bit myself now that came out in gear that Brody not only was designed on Brody's like on Brody's gear, but Brody had paid for himself. Brody bought that for him Um, to see silver getting a a giant push in that match and getting to really, he left it in the ring, man, see it in his face and then broke down immediately afterwards. He has been and go back last season of this show you, I'm pretty sure before Silver was anything in AEW, he was one of your first someone to watches, and you mm-hmm. talked about how good he was. We broke down a couple different of his matches on the indie circuit, and I, you know, have slowly but surely bought into the Silver mo- movement, you know, and um, he, yeah, he 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 cashed. I mean, I say this with love. He cashed in his chips at that at that tribute show because he said okay 
I don't know how many people are going to watch, but I'm having I'm going to have people literally from all over the wrestling world, regardless of the fans who tune in every single Wednesday. Mm-hmm. His friends are tuning in, people who might not know me, and I want them to never forget me because he gave me this opportunity. Well, I, I know I, I doubt that's his mindset. I don't think anything in his mindset had to do anything with himself whatsoever. Well, to- no, no, totally. I'm just saying he thought to leave it out in the ring because. Well, I my guess is he just wanted to do the best possible thing, best possible ring work he could to honor Brody. But um, to s- that match in particular was my moment of the night, just because of the one moment that nobody. Nobody saw coming was the Redbeard run in Eric Rowan when he when he came in. And I've never I've never been a massive fan of by any stretch of his. I you know he was always you know the the other guy in the team. Um, his you know solitary his singles work was never anything really to write home about. He got the giant spider shit. So I mean I'm not he's not usually someone that's going to be on my radar. Sure. But when he came running out, I legitimately, I was sitting on the floor playing with my dog because that is my emotional stability animal. Um, When he came out, I literally jumped to my feet and was cheering, just yelling. And it was so happy for it. And then within probably a minute and a half, I was just blubbering. Because you could see it in his face, the sign. You could see Silver broke down immediately when he came back out. That killed that. That did it. Oh yeah, that was that 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 went from me being kind of choked up to okay, now I'm crying. And then Eddie's tribute was unbelievable. And he's the best talker on the roster. He's the best talker in pro wrestling, regardless of situation. But He's the best talker because everything you hear comes from his heart, Fact. good, bad, or indifferent. So to hear him, you know, his teachings are never going to leave as long as you remember him is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Hands down. And, and I, you know, I made my, I got choked up the rest of the night and whatever. And then when they finished the episode, they finished the mat last match with about five minutes to go or six minutes to go. I had the thought of like, I, I wonder if they're just going to do a video, video thing, whatever. And then they introduced, you know, mom and two kids and Brody Jr. I thought, oh, okay. And then I said, oh, God, the boots. Oh, oh, God, the boots. And yeah. that, that immediately, I'm done. I'm dead. It was and, like uh, when Eddie passed and Ray left the belt in the ring. Oh, but I mean, Found. not only that, but seeing it's his kid, and yeah. and I, I, the fact that they they've already signed Brody Jr. to a contract, flat out, they've already signed him. Jericho's talking about how they're protect, they will take care of the family, and you know that to be damn well true. Oh yeah. Then they retired the belt, that design of the belt, gave it to Brody Jr. Said this is. This is the actual title. This will stay with you. Was he the longest? Was Brody the longest single reigning at the time TNT champ? Was his run longer than Cody's? Uh, 
I don't know. I have no idea, honestly. I'd say pretty comparable, if not, if not, it's pretty comparable. Yeah, for sure. Um, but then they they put out. Did you see the video that AEW put out yesterday? I think it was yesterday. I don't think they so. aired. There was another segment, just another little video that went. I saw the start right of it. I didn't show finish aired. it with Tony Khan and Brody. He Jr. ran. Brody Junior ran over and gave Tony a hug, and then ran over and gave his mom a hug, and that's when you can see he broke. Oh yeah. Um, and Tony was sobbing, and then, like when he went over and hugged his mom, you could see his little guy's legs gave out underneath him, and he was done. And that that, but the next day, the reason I the reason I bring that up is that's not that's heartbreaking. You don't want to like I'm again I'm tearing up thinking about it. But the next video that I saw was from New Year's Eve. I saw it too. That was fucking and awesome. It's top flight, dicking around with him, and he's given. Brody Jr.'s doing the 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 uh, the three sixty clothesline to the discus lariat to both of those guys and Ricky Stark just throwing them around and helping them out and you know Jericho's laughing he's like why don't you ever sell like that for me and I didn't see this video I saw a different video of Brody Jr. on New Year's Eve oh uh, yeah this was at, like it was at a New Year's Eve I think party because it looked like it's at a hotel. Yeah, well, no, no, no. Um, I saw, I saw a video yeah. too, but mine was just with Adam Cole. Did you see that part of it? That was the next. That's the one I was going to bring up next. Is yeah. that Adam? It's the same thing. It's the same night. Ah, gotcha. but Adam Cole gets a gets a gets it into. So obviously, that's why they said it's at New Year's Eve because Adam Cole was there. Um, but to see that, and then you last night on Raw or on SmackDown, you had uh, Big E still wearing the Brody tags. There was. Um, even still a couple more little little references actually Big E who I didn't realize was as good a friend as he is, was with Brody um I guess the two of them were really close specifically and they interviewed Big E uh backstage after one of his matches last night and no it's not about Brody it's about his his match and about the Intercontinental title and everything but he makes the comment of I'm going to defend this from Rome to Rochester. And then, you know, all the people that I've seen, little Amanda and Nolan and all this, and he name dropped Brody's wife and his kid in the promo, just winking a nod. So that's the kind of shit that makes you feel better. You know, Brit doing the, uh, making the, the, the whole thing is rigged. The whole thing is rigged. It's all one big rig with a wink. You can see from fucking space. You know, even cheesy as hell, but sure, great, awesome. I love it. Fucking uh, Lance Archer coming out in the Brody Lee in the in the Luke Harper gear. Yes, awesome. And 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 actually, if you watch the post show with Shivani, Archer was his first guest, and he even oh, said, it? "I didn't see it." No, it's really good, and, I, and I'm glad you brought uh, up Lance Archer. I was going to bring him up, but this this just kind of feeds in, and then. We'll be able to, you know, start shifting our gears a little bit. But it was really cool because he said, you know, Archer said, Brody and I were like two ships in the night always. I would Mm. get to a place as he was leaving, and it always happened that way. Or I would leave a place as he was getting there, and that happened in all kinds of different promotions, in New Japan and, and, and all over the place. So he said, you know, when he got to AEW, they had started plotting. They wanted to have a match. Obviously, that never happened, 
but they started to bond in a very short time because they're two big guys. They always got compared. You know, it's easy to do. Right. Big guy, big guy. Oh, how they both. It agile. would have been a hell of a match for one. Yeah, but it was just it was really awesome because he said, you know, it was the least I could do for him was just to pay this humble little tribute to him. And I was like, man, like that's awesome. That's how he impacted people. Even somebody he barely knew he impacted on such a profound level. Honestly, it it really made my night seeing that. Well, a, I know you are in your your punk shirt now, but CM Punk and Mick Foley have both come out and uh, said that starting in January, every every all of our proceeds from t-shirt sales in January are going straight to the family. Shout out to I hate saying this. Shout out to Mick Foley who has been in a hotel room for two weeks because he's positive. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it got announced last night. Fucking Mick Foley, the guy who loves Christmas, had to spend Christmas in a hotel room. Um, but they both, you know, are donating all the proceeds. And then when the show kicked off, they have a Brody Lee shirt that goes on sale on pro wrestling tees and says, Hey, all the proceeds to this are going to the family. I immediately, I'm, you know, live tweeting the show, so I immediately jumped onto the onto the website. It's down. That site crashed multiple times times throughout the night and that's not a coincidence if there's that many people that are going on to buy that shirt to promote the family to help the family that they're crashing that site multiple times that makes you feel good i've got a good friend of mine that i play D with that i was just explaining the situation to him went out and bought the shirt he never doesn't even watch wrestling but wanted to help out that situation it's awesome it's all awesome it was the highest-selling shirt in the first four hours. It outsold the Sting record in 24 hours. In four hours. And good. Good. That's amazing. And, and yeah. And, and to close out, you know, as, as shitty as 2020 was, thank God I can say was, as shitty as 2020 was, and to end it on such a down note as Brody's passing to actually end it with that celebration of life the night before new year's was about the most uplifting thing we could have seen. And again, I can't help but want to thank AEW for allowing us to experience that. Absolutely. You know, for thank you, WWE, for, if this is the case for allowing them to, to do that. Thank you for everything involved with that. That's all it needs to be said is thank you. You know, you can say you're sorry and say you're, you're, you can grieve as much as possible, but you also need to say thank you because it allows us to do that. Totally, and bro. That's something that, that we all needed. We all needed. Um, and I think, honestly, that's probably the, uh, as good a place as any as we're going to have the segue, you know, the end of 2020 being that way. So now we can kind of take a look at 2020 in the review. Yeah. And Yeah, same. Big same. Uh. Um, yeah. And, and, and it's it's... It's interesting to me that honestly, I, I mentioned this off the air that this show, you know, if we took Brody out, if we took, if none of that shit had happened, this is my favorite show of the year to do. This is the award show. This is where we get to look back at all the good shit from 2020, all the, our favorite things and oh, some yeah. not so much favorite things. I'm a big list guy in general. I love, it's one of my hobbies and pastimes is falling into YouTube holes, watching top 10 shows. I love like end of uh, awards and shit like that. I love them. Uh, so yeah, we get to do our year-end awards for 2020. 
Hell and, yeah, man. Well, I'm going to let you uh, guide the ship at this point. You are the awards master. You are the master of ceremonies. So You know, this is really where I'm disappointed that I didn't make the effort to buy the Botchamania shirt that says, I am the table. <laughs> eh, it's going to okay. get bought. It's going to happen. I'm going to end up buying that before too long. Cool. But, so um, none of these the categories have been discussed between the two of us uh, off air. Our picks have not been discussed at all. So these are both new to both of us as we're as we're coming off here. And I'm pretty so, solid on just having one for each thing. I didn't uh, really get crazy trying to like think of like uh, honorable mentions and stuff. So my side of this is going to be pretty easy. Uh, I might not have I, all the facts right either because a couple of these pay per views I think I wrote wrong. Uh, I tried. Right. I, didn't, I, tried, I actually didn't write. I tried I to write, write most of the pay per views down. So well, I tried to write like where the if there was a specific match what. A show that happened on and then what promotion it was in that way i can just reference as i'm scrolling through my shit there you go that's yeah. fair i most of them most of mine i didn't do that with mine but that's just because i think i did that for the uh for the match of the year candidates i've never met a rule that i made that i won't break on my own so if you've listened to any of my top 10 lists there are honorable mentions for a lot of these um so let's go ahead and start with the funny at least let's do the best comedy match yeah um, my pick, my pick. I had one honorable mention would be Effie versus Marco Stunt at Effie's Big Gay Brunch, which was the match that involved um, projectiles ejaculating vibrators and handcuffs and candles and lube and all that shit. It's Effie versus Marco. I laughed my ass off the whole time, but I think you and I might have a similar pick with this one. Number one, Stadium Stampede. Oh, so you went Stadium Stampede, and although that had comedy in it, it still had a lot of great action, so I didn't think of it, it, did. it as did. a comedy match. It did. And, and the match I picked I don't think is necessarily a comedy match either, but I think that the the whole idea behind it is so comical, and the finish was comical that it made it really funny to me, which was Mimosa Mayhem, uh, Jericho Orange Cassidy. Yeah. I mean, that match I see that. had a lot of funny moments. And again, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, I watch more of the mainstream stuff. So you having Effie and Marco, as soon as you say that, I'm like, I do need to go back and watch that match. Because you said that earlier in, when that happened, and I need to watch it. Yeah. So. Um, the, the, uh, the Mimosa Mayhem match, again, I like the idea that the, the setup for it was comical. The match itself may not have been so much. Um it was on my radar for it. I, I have Stadium Stampede because it was equal parts comedy and action. Like, yeah, you get the action of of the the stuff that happened in the ring that was set up, but you also have you know fucking Hangman riding out on a horse. You have Jericho throwing the the Judas effect into the mascot. The fact that they all came out in shoulder pads was just awesome. I love it. Um, we do also have a best comedy moment. Um, which I can piggyback off that actually though, because mine comes from the Mimosa Mayhem moment. The best moment of it was when Inner Circle got juiced by OC when they were in the middle of the ring and he dropped like the DX style OJ all over. I laughed so hard. Just Jericho's reaction, the ruining of the suit, Mm -hmm. the fact that that gimmick is still something he talks about, like the suit. The fact that Jericho is involved in most of these things is saying enough um my i had a couple honorable mentions i had the uh nikki versus uh nikki nikki cross versus michael cole uh one of the first smackdowns after the pandemic lockdown uh when the two when she's like just jumping on the table and screaming and he's trying to tell her to social distance i lost it 
Um, also, a quick caveat: anything involving our truth this year was going to be category for match of the, for comedy moment of the year. Him and the uh, the twenty four seven title has been fantastic, and it never needs to come off of him. But my uh, comedy moment of the year was the dinner debonair. Oh, that was great I, too. Yes, uh, like everything about that was comedic, and the fact that it won a mainstream TV award outside of wrestling. Wait, what? You know, says something too. Yeah, that's what the little plaque that that. Uh, that uh, uh, MGS been carrying around. They actually won a little like best moment on TV for the year. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Line. Like I, I don't know what promotion it was, but some actual like TV reviewer gave them that. Um, so going from best, we have worst angle. Who do you have as your worst angle? Okay, well, apparently my phone decided to delete that and tried to put Orton versus Edge as the worst match, but that's not true. Uh, worst angle for me is pretty easy, bro, because it's same fucking angle they did. They ran this for like 12 straight weeks. <laughs> Lana is the yep. table. Yep, that was my my award as well. God. Lana versus Nia. Lana versus Nia Jax is hands down the worst angle of the year. Um just for the sheer amount of stupid that it involved and how long that ran. Um, and the fact that nothing came from it whatsoever. Just punishment. Um, I also want to throw out uh, the Seamus versus Jeff Hardy alcoholism angle was just all kinds of gross and dumb and involved, you know, getting somebody, having somebody getting thrown pee on them. Um, the Otis versus Tucker angle was also bad because it stopped existing. They broke up heavy machinery to just do nothing. Uh, Tucker, with it. Tucker turned on notice, and then Tucker hasn't been seen since. Yeah, he's not even in the twenty four seven chase. Uh, so, what is your best angle then? Orton versus Edge. I thought they told a very real story that over the decades has has come to fruition. You that's, had Edge viable. coming out of retirement. You had the rated RKO moment at the Rumble. Then you had everything that dissolves uh, Randy turning his back on Edge, essentially having this Iron Man crazy fucking match they had at WrestleMania that injured Edge again. You know, like it, it. Well, that was the that was the best match ever. The best the, match ever. That's right. At Backlash, yeah. at Backlash, injured him. I forgot yeah. they had that second. But but what I'm saying is is that those two have a, such a beautiful, rich history that I don't think even with these new, really fresh storylines we had, you can top that because there's just such a real real familiarity between those two. I I can't disagree with that at all. Um, that was one of my honorable mentions. Um, the, two, the other honorable mention I had was Hangman versus the Elite. Great. Just because of how well that played out throughout the course of the year. I almost put the Hangman um, as the best angle, but it's not been paid off yet. You yeah, know, it's that's, just that's he's, why still, it's dis- he's still dissolving me. into the shit, especially now that he could possibly find his way into joining the Dark Order, especially with the real life shit that happened. Like, man, there's right. there's some interesting angles I can pull with Hangman. I can't wait to see where that goes. The my vote for best angle was actually something fairly new, and that was Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns. Great. Um, just because that came out of absolutely nowhere to being the best thing that WWE has. Uh, and obviously it's still ongoing. It's really a, a part of the Reigns character, but I think we're going to see the Uso angle paid off in the long run. I think that's where we get to eventually. But yeah, when it, I mean, for a solid three or four weeks, there was nothing better on TV. 
like the and still really the range character is still to my, for my money the best character on wrestling television. Um, as far as uh, we'll get to best match later, but worst match. Obviously, it's not the rain. It's not Orton versus Edge. Clearly, not Orton versus Edge. <laughs> uh, for me, this was pretty easy because it wasn't even really a match. It was the shortest, most pointless fucking shit ever. And when I say it, you're gonna be like, "Yep." Lesnar versus Ricochet Super Showdown. Yeah. Awful. Horrendous. What the fuck match? I honestly, I honestly forgot that even happened. I forgot. I when even now with you mentioned, I'm like, was that this year? Like, no, I, 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 it completely out of my head. Um, and honestly, for a full, you know, taken seriously work match, sure, solid vote. Um, my worst match was the eye for an eye match. I, I Jericho Ray or not Jericho fucking, uh, Rollins uh, Ray Rollins Ray. That match shouldn't have happened. That angle shouldn't have happened. The fake prosthetic eye shouldn't have happened. That angle shouldn't have lasted as long as it had, you know, into last month even, but yeah, the idea of having an eye for an eye match immediately as soon as it's even announced, you're no, no, I don't know why. Why would you do that? No, how you there's no good way for you to do this, and you're going to take the absolute worst way to do this. Just oh, yes. a, a down moment of the year for me. Um, this is actually this one is probably the most difficult, difficult one of the two most difficult categories for me to pick a winner on. What was your best promo of the year? Roman Reigns is the head of the table. His going off after he beat Jay the first time Mm -hmm. was fucking unreal. And I said it, too. I was like, this is who I wanted two years ago to be running shit. He should have been the heel that came out of fucking the shield, you know. And, and, And this just proved it. It proved it. It proved it. This was him. Totally buying into the Heyman way, totally buying into let's be a heel and, you know, I'm far enough removed from my cancer diagnosis and all that shit to... to, People will actually boo me, yeah. Exactly. And now the boos that he has soaked in in the past, when we get real crowds back, he's going to Oh, he's going to be nuclear. It's awesome. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. So, yeah, I think that that was the best promo of the year, mainly because it, it... it reinvigorated the Roman Reigns character. That's very fair. Um, I honestly had trouble coming up with enough like competitors for good promos. Like I thinking back, I couldn't remember a whole lot of good promos this year. And really part of it's because there's no crowd to play off of. Edge had a couple of good ones. Cody had a couple of good, obviously Reigns. Um, but the one that I came back to is the most, it's not only the most, to me, one of the best promos, one of the most honest and heartfelt promos, but one of the most 2020, like it had the most far reaching effect okay. for the entire year. Becky Lynch. I'm not going to be the man. I'm going to go be the mom. Damn that, that moment, because none of us saw it coming and it, it completely threw out the rest of 2020 and what we had expectations for in terms of the uh, women's wrestling. And really done without a crowd. It made Oscar the foremost or the, the the person that we know her at to be. It really has reestablished her character and what her her style was the rest of the year. 
um, there may not be a more memorable promo from 2020 just because it was, it couldn't have been done in the other year. We never would have had that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what I came back to with it. I like um, it. Uh, who is your most improved? Now, this one, I think we're probably going to be on the same page, and I'm going to walk away from WWE for a time here. Oh, shit. Did I, I think so, up? too. Uh, okay, so. I get the feeling we probably have a similar choice. The doctor is in Britt Baker. She yep. is hands down most improved for a couple reasons. She had the blood moment that, that really gave her this, like, you, you, we saw it with Becky, too. When Becky got busted open by Nia last year, it pushed her to that next level, the upper, upper echelon. Britt had mm-hmm. the same kind of thing, had her nose broke, and then instead of going off TV and doing nothing, she found a way to play on that kept character. In the match. Kept being an agitator, kept her name in the hat for possibly being involved in a women's title match. She doesn't even have the women's title, and she's the best women's wrestler on their roster. That's why I say that. Not to say she is right. the best in-ring performer, because I think Hikaru Shida definitely has the proficiency but i think brit is the most well-rounded she can promo she can fucking be in sketches she can wrestle you know she has creativity she can play heel or face like these are intangibles at the beginning of the year we or when AEW started we all knew it was kind of kind of they kind of tipped their hats and they they wanted to build the promotion they wanted to build a division around brit baker she was the first one of the first people they announced However, when she got into a few matches, it was pretty obvious to see she was still pretty green. Still really not where they needed her to be in terms of match-wise. They saw her and, with limitless potential, Yeah, but she didn't have right it there. yet. Yeah, character wasn't there. The ring work wasn't there. This year, she gets the blood moment. She gets hurt, and the character moment comes afterwards. Her staying the role model character, the wheelchair thing, was great. She did great promo work. She did great character work. And then when she came back, we've already touched on it a couple episodes ago, her match against Layla Hirsch was the best we've seen her look in the ring. So really leaps and bounds. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. Most or most improved. Um, next category I have was one of the, another really difficult from one for me that I went back and forth on multiple times promotion of the year. Okay. Uh, so, had we had promotion of the year and done these awards um, under normal circumstances, I'm not sure that it would change for me. But I will say that after the celebration of life they did for Brody, there's no better promotion than AEW. Like, hands down. They honor their wrestlers. They actually respect their workers. It, it, there is a very genuine, you can see it, every single person, family vibe. I mean, Bryce Rensburg breaking down of the ring, too, is what we didn't talk about. It just shows how family they are, and that is bigger to me than a business. To me, I, I went back to what I said last year, and I actually gave this award to NXT last year. Um, NXT is always the most consistent. They have been. It's not going to be Raw. It's not going to be SmackDown. We know this for a fact. Um, NXT is booking wise is always consistent. They're they're. Their programs, their weekly in and outs, always great. Promo works not always the best, but doesn't know that's not a strong point for them. Uh, if you watch a takeover, it's going to be great. You know that going in, you know that going out. So consistency wise, I really wanted to give it to NXT again, but AEW's achieved almost that same level of consistency now, and are doing more. They've had less fall off. 
there have been less duds from them this year. And that's said that NXT's had a lot of duds, but it feels like AEW is a bigger deal. My question, and I'm just going to throw, and, and I, I, I'm glad we're on the same page for them being the promotion. It, I, gave, I wanted to give it to, I, it is AEW. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. But uh, my, my thing is this, like, with, with AEW too, they have achieved a very synergetic movement, no crowd. I mean, well, and, 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 right. at the beginning, and then now they have this like limited crowd, and the limited crowd is fucking red hot always. Well, so, you can, the thing is, you can say the same thing for NXT though too. But what I was going to get back to is the foundation that AEW laid now was something we didn't have before the pandemic. We were still like learning about this promotion. They had even like ten dynamites in total before shit started getting right. crazy. So. For for fucking, we're at a point now where they could come out of this and be really competing with WWE and really putting asses in seats on the other side of this pandemic. That's mm-hmm. wild. Like no, it is. It absolutely is. They they pushed really hard during a pandemic to make their product unfuckwithable, and they did that. Not to say that they haven't had their drop offs. There was moments. There's moments in the shows that you know fall kind of flat there's angles that disappear whatever stupid decision making and not protecting matt hardy yeah Yeah. anything involving uh 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 brandy (laughs) really um there's there's stuff that should have probably fallen by the wayside or maybe maybe just wasn't right but the fact that we're finding so few things to nitpick in their second year is impressive their first full year is impressive Absolutely. Um, best tag team. You're going to be jazzed on this one for me. Okay. Non-champions. Easy to say, oh, it's FTR. Easy to say, oh, it's the Bucks. But I think the best. FTR, FTR just got to the PWI uh, top 50. Okay. Sure. Great I for them. Got the issue over there. But yeah. my thing is this. Best tag team comes from a tag team that wasn't talked about or prevalent in any way last year that is now becoming a fan favorite in a faction that's becoming a fan favorite in a faction that should technically be heels, but somehow they found a way to be favorable heels. And I don't really understand that because the best tag team, in my opinion, is John Silver, Alex Reynolds. They were in so many fucking tag matches this year. It is crazy. I, I don't have them as my pick, but I'm very happy that you did that. So, I mean, obviously, I'm a big Silver fan, so I'm happy to see that. Um, I have, as honorable mention, FTR. Uh, even though they had the title run, um, they didn't do much with it to me. Like, they're a great tag team, but they're not – by definition, they're hard to – they're not flashy. Their their feuds were not very good. Um same goes for the Bucks, actually, even though they are flashy, is that the Bucks may have the titles now, and they've, they had two of the best tag team matches of the year, but to me, the builds for both of them, well, I shouldn't say for both, but the builds for the FTR match really hurt it, or the lack of build, I should say. Um, to me, and I, I want to give, a, and I do want to give a sh- uh, shout out to the Street Profits um, for the fact that they've carried the entire tag team division in WWE for the past year with no other teams to work with yeah 
with no teams, to, with very few teams to work with, with very little support from WWE and through the pandemic era. They deserve a lot of credit for that. My tag team of the year was uh, Hangman and Omega, actually. Uh, I mean, um, yes, yes. Just for the fact that they nailed all their matches were great. All the stories were great. The build was great. Um, all of their matches had uh, weight behind them. And the feuds that came out of it are still influential into 2020. So, I mean, to me, that is their year. Um, so we have two kind of deferring categories here. We have the OMG moment and the WTF moment. Now, the difference between the two OMG is a positive. Oh, my God, what's going on? This is huge. Uh, WTF being, oh, my God, what is going on? This is terrible. <laughs> so, OMG moment, what's yours? Sting debuts in AEW. I knew you were going to say it. I was I that. standing I I on it. my <laughs> coffee table like a child in fifth grade, yesing like Daniel Bryan that Sting, my favorite wrestler as a kid growing up, was in one of my now favorite promotions in the modern era and and looked impactful. So, yeah, the OMG moment for, for me there is uh, is that for sure. You? I'm, uh, I, I have a different moment. And oddly enough, all three of my honorable mentions are all returns. The Edge return, the Roman Reigns return, Sting return. My OMG moment of the year, and I think you're going to be a little mad that you didn't pick it, came from the same episode as yours. Oh, yeah? It's not the Sting return. It is Don Callis at the end of the episode saying, hey, tune into to uh, Impact. That was because that's the moment that every other wrestling fan went, what, what did he say? We, there was rumors of the sting thing. There's a few of us that may have seen it coming. Um, you know, there was rumors that he was out of his contract with WWE. So of course that's where he's going to go. We wondered about it. No one, no one saw tune into impact. Yeah, no, you're right. And you're absolutely right. The, the internet collectively shit itself. You, you, sir, shit yourself. And I have watched you shit yourself for the past three weeks on it. <laughs> hey, they got me watching um, Impact. That's all I'm saying. So on the other side of that coin, the WTF moment for me, if the OMG moment is tuned into Impact, the WTF moment for me was tuned into Raw Underground. <laughs> <laughs> that is that episode of Raw where they there was no promotion for it, there was no advertising for it. There was just this little clip, this little vignette of Shane standing in what looked to be a fight club and going tune into Raw Underground. I'm going, no, not uh, me. No, thank you. What the fuck? And that's also the night they had the dancers, and it was terrible. <laughs> so not that is my WT moment. I do have uh, the. Uh, Ray Mysterio's eye is also one of those runner-ups. Oh, yeah. And then I think, and this is something you and I mentioned off the air, I think one of my other honorable mentions is your pick, so I'm going to let you do it. I don't think it is, actually, because my WTF... Well, you well my WTF okay, moment changed. And I think okay. up and until last week, I you're probably right on what you would have assumed my WTF moment was. But... The death of Brody Lee is the is the WTF moment of the year. That's Hands fair. down. That's fair. That's fair. I couldn't I couldn't 
I know objectively we're trying to be fun, have a nice time, like have a laugh that, and whatnot. No, that's, and, and, but, that's valid. But that's that was valid. that was, and I know the Hardy moment, him fucking nearly breaking his dome open like a fucking scrambled egg, is something that could be considered up there. Um, and I don't know if that's the one you thought I was going to pick or not, but no, actually, uh, no, the one uh, and the reason I, I thought you might have a similar one to me right before we started taping the show today, you said something. It happened in Chicago. And so I thought my other. I thought I you said, said, I said it happened you. in Chicago because you said no, I saw it you live. The, no, I said you saw it with me live. Uh, with you live. Yes, yes. I made the comment that you I, you were there for this live. So you said, no, I got you now. No. Um, <laughs> the other one, the WTF moment was and you and I sitting in the same room when Cody came out with his neck tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> You and me and Brando and Tyler all sitting going, what, what is that? What the fuck is that? Tell me, that's got to be temporary, right? When did he become a bad be boy rapper? You know, like what's up with that? Oh God, his name is his name isn't Cody Rhodes. It's Cody X Nine or Tech Nine <laughs> Six Nine. Cody Six Nine. <laughs> he's he's Takashi Rhodes now. <laughs> Takashi Six Nine. That's funny as shit. Okay, so. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, death of Brody Lee for me. The next category yes. is spot of the year, and I don't have anything because I really struggled with this. That's fair. I, it actually took me a minute, um, and obviously it took me rewatching something to find mine. Uh, this is one that comes to me back to personal preference. Um, my honorable mention is Keith Lee sending Adam Cole into the cheap seats. Ooh, shoulder check. One of my yeah the. The the pounce into the end of the uh, seats. I don't know if you actually seen unless I sent you the clip. But my my spot of the year was from the uh, Joey Janela Spring Break clusterfuck when Kevin Koo comes out in the Super Dragon mask and gives the curb stomp to Alley Cat and stomps her fucking like you can see her soul leave her body. Damn, I'm telling you, man, uh, that is it is one of the most brutal looking like single moves all year. Like his, he he puts his foot on the back of her neck to do the curb stomp, and doesn't move it. Like he just stomps down and just leaves it there. It's awful. <laughs> um, uh, falling star, someone who has started the year off great, kind of the opposite of a most improved or a someone you think is on the come up, but falling star, someone who has come off of the uh, off of the shine, as it were, walked off the heat. Uh, it's pretty easy. This is somebody who I think when we started this whole quarantine, they had a pay-per-view. The pay-per-view was kind of crazy and stupid and weird and done inside of the you know corporate building of WWE. But it walked away with the surprise of Otis winning that Money in the Bank briefcase and me going, man, they could That's make true. a real star out of him. Like, and do something really unique with a big guy. And we haven't seen a big guy like that, like a big guy like that since Yokozuna uh, be a title holder. Really, and really make it serious. And it seemed, with the way they were telling the stories, with everything going on, Otis was... He had the whole... He had the momentum, the Mandy thing. He had yeah, the whole had world in his hands, world. as it were. And That's a, I think he is the yeah. falling star. I, I really do. They that took is, the, 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 belt, the briefcase away from him and took away all his thunder. They broke his tag team up, took his girl yeah. away. Like That is a extremely valid pick. Um I have, as two honorable mentions, you mentioned Ricochet with the Lesnar match. 
Ricochet's kind of falling off to me. He's getting a little bit of shine back, but he's got a feud at least now. Um, Nakamura started the year off as an Intercontinental title holder and finished the year off losing clean to Otis in like a five-minute squash. Uh, my 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 following star is kind of a cop-out. Uh-oh. It's everyone that's in retribution. Not wrong. Not wrong at all. <laughs> every every single they person all that got that negative rub. Yes. Uh, I I tried to limit some of these to only winning one award. Otherwise, retribution would have been worst angle of the year as well. And sure. probably would have been WTF moment. But uh, no, falling star, all of them. Uh, Dijakovic, Mia Yim. Uh, Dio Madden, fucking all Dio of them. Dio Madden even. I, it's hard to say that Dio Madden's a falling star because his high point was getting to be a commentator, but yeah, Ali, all of it. Um, rising star. Let's, uh, let's just get a male rising star first. You're going to be so happy. We might even have the same pick. Shit. It's probable we, we have don't. the same pick. Maybe, we maybe we don't, we, we don't. don't, we don't. Uh, I honestly think again, sharing my sentiments earlier about, uh, internet sensation, super comical, Taking the internet by storm, BTE champ. I mean, it's hard to not champion John Silver as the rising star in all of wrestling this year because of how far he's come. I I love that you're picking him. I do. I think 2021 is going to be a better year for him than 2020. Sure. That's the only reason I didn't pick him. Sure. I think 2021 is going to be the year of John Silver. Uh, I have a couple uh, a couple honorable mentions. Uh, Jay Uso. Getting elevated, yeah. Kyle O'Reilly getting elevated, yeah. Orange Cassidy getting elevated, yeah. My uh, male rising star of the year is Pat McAfee. Nice, hey man, he's yeah. a damn good promo, damn good ring worker, somebody who we didn't see coming at all, and yeah. has been very impactful. Uh, someone who went from being someone who went from nothing, essentially, from being a, a pre-show commentator to one of the most hated villains in professional wrestling and doing it in limited appearances. Absolutely. And the fact that they're holding him off TV now to let him kind of get some of that heat back is because they see the value in quantity over, or quality over quantity with them. Yep. That's you awesome. can't push him down your throats because you'll get sick of him quick. But if we keep him in limited stock, people mm-hmm. are going to want it. Uh, how about a female rising star? Well, you know what? I've championed this chick for a long, hot old time, and I think all of 2020, I was like, keep keep your eye on her, keep your eye on her. Even in at the end of 2019, I was like, keep your fucking eye on her. She's she's killing it. Thunder Rosa, bro. Yep. It's Thunder yep. Rosa. It's hard not to pick her when she crossed over, did the match with Hikaru Shida, did a ton of amazing things while working in AEW, has continued mm-hmm. to work for NWA, I mean, the, the the promo she cut was it last week or the week before when and, two weeks, and, yeah. And they're putting and what are they doing? Look right now. Here is validation: most improved female wrestler against the 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 star of the uh, the the, the yeah. rising star female star of the year. No uh, no 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 rising star being uh, yeah. Thunder Rosa versus uh, most improved in Britt Baker is huge, and that feud is going to pop off. I really do think. You and I actually had the same pick there. Hey, um, I actually, yeah, I had Thunder Rosa as well with um, 
Uh, honorable mentions to Shotzi Blackheart and to Raquel Gonzalez, who I think they see big things for both of them. But you're absolutely you nailed him on the head with Under Rosa um, to do what she's done in multiple promotions. Um, honestly, she's one of the most improved for me because I remember watching her when she was on uh, Lucha Underground as Cobra Moon, and I wasn't all that impressed with her. So she's definitely improved her game. Um, so all of the above, I love all of them. Um, male stars, male star of the year here, and I don't know if we're going to have the same or not. Honestly. Um, are we skipping female star of the year? That's the one I have next. Oh, I have them reversed. Okay, no, no, no. We can do male next. That's fine. Yeah, male's next. Uh, I think I, I had a hard time because it's easy to say like, oh, you want to pick Kenny Omega, thinking he was a tag champion and and he had these great storylines, and now he's the AEW champion and he's doing these bridging the gaps with everything. But I think that if you look at who carried their fucking company the best through the quarantine and everything, motherfucking John Moxley, hands down. I, I can't pick I, I can't argue him. that. I can't argue that. Reigns um, is a close, I mean, an ass hair below second, which, look, two of the top shield guys still on fucking top, baby. I'm just saying. I had I had Moxley as one of my honorable mentions because he was a very close second to me. Um. Reigns, I, Reigns probably would have gotten it if he'd have stuck around all year. If he'd have been doing this this current character all year, would have had it. Um, Orton is actually this is probably the best year Orton's ever had character wise. Um, Omega, I don't think we need to really say a whole hell of a lot. But my male star of the year was actually Drew McIntyre for the same reasons you gave to Moxley. Yeah, and and McIntyre um, could very easily have the same. Uh, yeah. yeah, I for the exact same reasons. Uh, the only the only difference that I gave the only reason I gave it to McIntyre this year specifically was that Moxley was a proven star beforehand. Moxley was a proven star last year. So he was carrying the company before he even got the title. Whereas McIntyre got put on the map with the rest with the Royal Rumble, carried it through the weirdest WrestleMania ever, carried it through you know, up and down feud with Orton wasn't able to just carry it through their WrestleMania. I mean, he but had elevate. to really elevate considering mm-hmm. he was getting his moment in front of no one. Right. That's hard. I mean, just the right. thought of that is fucking really difficult. Right. And the, he's, he's not only carrying the torch for WWE, but he has stepped up to be the guy for them. Like not just a title holder, but he has stepped up to be the guy for raw and really, if not for Reigns, would be the guy for all of WWE. And I, I, I can't undersell that. Um, female star of the year. I really struggle with this because there are two. I, I did as well. I did as well. There are two and there are multiple th- thoughts. Okay. So I think that I'm going to go with what it would be like the obvious for me. You're going to go, oh, of course you would want to pick her, but I'm not, she's not my, my, locked in final pick. She is my honorable mention that I'm going to have. I do think Hikaru Shida had a hell of a year. I think she is well yeah. improved in the ring. I think she ca- continued to carry the women's division, found her way in and out of several different really strange but really well-worked feuds. I mean, she got to feud with Thunder Rosa, Nyla, Britt Baker. Uh, she had. Did she have a match with Swole or not? Did Swole end up getting them? I can't remember. I think she did. She did get so so so. I mean, she worked with the majority there wasn't, of the roster. There wasn't really there wasn't really a feud, but yeah, there was a match. So so but, yeah, she's plowed through pretty much the entire 
available. The only the only person she hasn't really worked with was Chris Statlander. And Stat got hurt, so what does yeah. that say? But I think when you look at all the divisions, all the companies that have women's rosters, and you look at the monsters, the slayers, the ones that drive you to watch the product, I think a name that doesn't get enough coverage here on this show, and I, I'm at fault, but I'm going to be covering her a lot more considering how much I've been watching their product now, is Deanna Perrazzo. I mean, dude, she carried the Impact division pretty much single-handedly, mm-hmm. and every match she had this year, anytime I've tuned in, the fucking Iron Man match with Jordan Great, like, she kills it. No, I, I, I can't argue with that at all. At all. That That's me. Um, I actually have three different picks here, uh, all different than yours, and that's kind of saying something about women's wrestling. Um, two honorable mentions, Io Shirai. Phenomenal, up yes. Up and down, has not had a bad match on NXT yet and has killed in that division. Um, Asuka yep. has been the touchstone for Raw. The Asuka of old a lot of ways. Not even I wouldn't even say that because the Oscar that is in 2020 is the crazy screaming, dancing, cheering Oscar. Yeah, I guess that's true. We too. haven't seen before, but I mean, on commentary, every single segment that Oscar was in this year, she brought up, she elevated. Even the, the Money in the Bank match, she's the one that got to dive off the onto the crowd. You know, she she had her moment dancing in the elevator. She had killer matches with Banks with Bailey. She match quality is always there. Hell, she carried Lana, for God's sake. Um, I didn't. I didn't give an honorable mention to Sasha Banks because she was out for part of the year. Female star of the year to me is Bailey. Um, I can see that character reinvention, character reinvention at the end of last year, and carried the women's title for SmackDown through the majority of the year. Um the women's tag team title belts for most of the year she was she and sasha were pretty much the go-to for the women's division from june through like october yep tag team on both shows um and then finished it out with having the hell in a cell match which even though i'm not a big fan of the build the match itself was fucking awesome yep still very good um so i mean and had the i think maybe the longest Women, the longest SmackDown women's champion reign ever. Uh, she's won every title that there is to win in WWE because of it. So I think honestly, I I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Bailey's necessarily. Like I, ring work, character work, I she does everything really well to me. But she's not somebody that just blows me off the map. She doesn't draw you in on no, but on strength of her year, I think I have to give it to her. Hell yeah. I think it's cool that we have two totally different uh, yeah. companies that we're representing yep. women's wrestling with, too. That's really great. Three. Th- Three. Yeah. Actually, four. Yeah. Four. NXT and Impact, both. Um, and that really speaks to how far women's wrestling has come. Totally. Um, new 2020-only uh, category, Cinematic Match of the Year. There were a lot of cinematic matches this year, bro. Lots. Mm-hmm. Lots. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had, we had the... Um, the Britt Baker Big Swole Dentist match. We had the Stadium Stampede match, kind of. We had the uh, the fucking Sammy Guevara Matt Hardy match that just happened for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I can't think of what the fucking match was the, called. The broken the fu- the 
Elite Deletion or whatever. Yeah, it was. Elite Deletion. Yeah, which was like three um, generations of Matt Hardy storytelling that like finalized right. in that thing, which is you really can, cool. But you can argue that the you had the back you had the backlot brawl. Yes, you had the uh, Dexter Dexter Loomis Cameron Grimes uh, Haunted House match. You had the Firefly, Firefly Inferno Fo- match. Just yeah. Uh, a week and a half ago, Firefly Funhouse match with John the, Cena. Yep, Firefly Funhouse and Stadium Stampede were my two honorable mentions. And Firefly Funhouse, any other year would have gotten it hands down. However, I mean, hands down, I think we have the same number. Yes, one. <laughs> it's easy to have the same. I, I think everybody in the year. Yeah, this this one's not even close. It's the Boneyard. Yep, I have Boneyard Undertaker it, versus AJ Styles WrestleMania thirty six. It was it was the first cinematic match we saw because it came on before the Firefly Funhouse match, and it is our swan song for the Undertaker. It's our swan song for the Good Brothers. Don't forget that for uh, for Gallows and Anderson, the crew or the club, as it were, the OC. Um, it's also it is the moment that we saw that the cinematic matches could work. And it's going to be the baseline that cinematic matches are judged on throughout the rest of however long. Yeah. So, I mean, really, the fact that it's a cinematic match and could be considered a match of the year candidate is saying something. It's really interesting because, like, 20 years ago, even 30 years ago in the 80s and shit, technically cinematic matches still existed, but they weren't full-blown matches. It was a vignette leading into the match. And you would always have, like, you know, Undertaker and fucking Mick Foley are fighting in some broiler room, and you don't see it, but then all of a sudden it spills out into the crowd. And, you know, they pre-taped that shit, and they were just sitting there chilling, prepping. The the original backlot brawl with Goldust. Yes. Same idea. First, yes, absolutely. Um, before we get to the last category, before we get to the match of the year, I want to throw out, there's something that I came up with. I had an idea for another category that after the fact, after I'd sent it to you, so you won't have a pick for this. I apologize. I didn't suggest this because the only answer that I have for it, the only award that I have for it is kind of a cop-out in its own right, would be event of the year. And there's so many ways you can look at that, whether that's the, you know, what pay-per-view, the pay-per-view of the year, there's so many good ones that you could pick, and yet still my pick wasn't a pay-per-view. So I, I, I'm not going to call it a category. I just want to give a special shout-out award. Event of the year. Man. The collect, the collective. And that's that's why the fact that I'm picking the collective is the only reason I'm not making it a category. I think it's it a unique thing. Yeah, it is. Not only and – I, and I was thinking about this the other day. The only reason I wanted to give it a shout-out, not only – We've talked a lot about all the wrestling so far this year, and we talked about AEW Impact, TN, or NXT, Raw, SmackDown, NWA. We haven't talked about any other than me mentioning a couple of things from uh, Spring Break or the Effie's Big Gay Brunch. We haven't really talked much about independent wrestling. That's because this year independent wrestling took a nosedive because of the pandemic. It wasn't there. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to very, cover very it when little there's nothing to cover. Got to happen. Yep. Right. So I wanted to give a shout out to the collective because it not only gave us independent wrestling for the year, it gave the viewers independent wrestling for the year and gave us great shows and great events, great matches, which I'll get back to you here in a minute. But the thing about independent wrestlers in 2020 is they don't have a WWE contract. They don't have an AEW contract. They don't have money coming in all the downside guarantee shit that we talked about with the, with the WWE contracts. They don't have that. 
So for independent wrestling to go down a hill, that kills a lot of people's, not only, you know, careers, but their livelihoods. So to see, even though it wasn't without its warts, there were COVID diagnoses that came out of it. It wasn't perfect. But the fact that it gave all the independent wrestlers, the War Horses, the Dan Housens, the uh, guys like John Silver were a year ago, it gave them a lifeline for this year. That's awesome. And that deserves a shout out to me. I'm going to add so, a uh, another little award sure. that I want to throw out Bile there. Means. It's a, it's a tiny means, one, and I think you're going to share my sentiment. I want to put sure. out the first Get Well Soon award for this show, and that is going to go directly to Kylie Ray. Whatever she's dealing with in her life, she stepped away from wrestling. That's a big story we didn't talk about on this show. And yeah, I we just, didn't today, but... Again, want to just say that she's a phenomenal person. I think that... Every time I've seen any of the people that I know in the wrestling world interact with her, it's a positive experience. For her to be struggling is really fucking hardcore. So I'm just gonna One send of her, that yeah. good vibe out. It, it kind of it kind of hurt. It, well, I shouldn't say it hurt me because I mean I don't feel anything that she's going through right now. But it it kind of struck me that her stepping away came right on the heels of what her one of her matches was on my short list for match of the year. She had a match with Blake Christian at a BLP show that was one of the best intergender matches I've ever seen. And I made a point to shout that out. That was uh, the top of my top 10 for that week. Um, so to see her go from that high on my, in my view to completely gone. No, uh, whatever vibes we can give out to Kylie Ray. Absolutely. And she definitely deserves to get well soon award. Hell yeah. And let's throw that to McFoley, throw that to McFoley as well. Cause yeah. I, we can't lose McFoley. We cannot lose McFoley. Yeah, not at all. That would be stupid. <laughs> um, so then we go to match of the year. And I, uh, as I said earlier, there's no rule that I can make that I won't break. So I do have a top 10 list leading up to my match of the year. These will not be in any particular order, but the top 10 matches of the year to me and the number one pick. I know you don't have a top 10 because <laughs> I wouldn't expect you to. Go ahead and get yours first, man. Uh, match of the year, pretty easy for me. It's the one that's most memorable, most sticks out. We still talk about it to this day. Uh, it was the one of the last times we got to experience a white hot crowd before shit hit the proverbial fan. And honestly, Kenny Omega, Hangman Page versus the Young Bucks winning at the Jericho Cruz yeah. War Bash at the Beach is my match of the year. The, not not the uh, revolution match, or no, it was at Revolution. You're right. The yeah, title yeah, change, yeah, was yeah, a, yeah, yeah, the yeah. title match. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, my bad. Again, you and I were there. That was all four of us sitting in a room watching that one. My fault. My brain meets is broken. I even wrote was... Revolution, but for some reason I said Bash. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just that's all right. That's all right. A sloppy mess uh, today. No, you and I, uh, you and I were again with Brando and Tyler from GIC all sitting in a room watching revolution uh, that night. That was right before we went to C2E2, which seems like that was a decade ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a, that was, that was the best tag team match of the year for me. Um, and honestly, it's one of the best tag team matches I've ever seen. We'll stop. It's a lot of people's match of the year and deservedly. So not mine. <laughs> uh, 
I'll give you my top 10 real quick. My 10 matches of the year. All right. Uh, with the, I'll give you my final one here and you may see this. You might actually see this one coming. Um, and these again, no particular order. Uh, the Bucks versus FTR full, full gear. I actually just went and rewatched that. I, I rewatched all these a couple of days ago. Nice. Um, Bucks versus FTR gets a little bit of a nod to me. The build kills it. The the build the lack of a build going into that match is what brought it onto an honorable mention thing. The limb work in that match is is second to none. Um, the storytelling in that match is great. Um, Okada versus Ibushi from Wrestle Kingdom 14. You and I didn't get to review this one-on-one. This is an episode that I did solo. I rewatched that match, and honestly that would have been one of my, that was very close to being my singles match of the year. Um, Dead eye Ibushi is terrifying, <laughs> like flat out. There's moments in that match. It's because you Kota Ibushi already just on name value alone. You know, you have two of the best wrestlers on the planet. They managed to take a 30, 35 minute long match and tell multiple stories throughout it. And there's, there's moments in there that are cringeworthy Frightening again, Kota Ibushi with the completely soulless eyes is one of the scariest things I've ever seen. Um, from early on in the year, Kenny Omega pack Iron Man match. You remember this? Oh, yes, I rewatched it as well. Fucking great match. And the two of them that's an Iron Man match where the two of them do not let up, and it's more than 60 minutes because they went to sudden death. <laughs> um, that may honestly be the best dynamite. Uh, main event we've ever had and the only thing close to it is the next event which is the parking lot fight oh the parking lot brawl was amazing the the proud and powerful versus best friends parking lot fight was fantastic one of the best street fights i i think i even made a comment on the show uh and comment to you right after it happens like this is the best street fight i've ever seen it's awesome great um the triple threat from Clash of Champions, AJ Styles, Sami Zayn, Daniel Bryan, or no, uh, Jeff Hardy. Jeff right? Hardy, yeah, yeah, Jeff yeah. Hardy. Um, with great ladder bumps of plenty, Jeff being Jeff, Sami being the crazy guy that he is, handcuffing things to random people and random people to random things. Nate calling Sami's title win. <laughs> uh, Jeff Hardy getting ear, uh, handcuffs put through his earlobe. <laughs> Um, I also have from, uh, the Joe Janela spring break, uh, Lee Moriarty versus, uh, Jonathan Gresham, Maria Bonner. Uh, that is my indie match of the year. Uh, I, and you'll see this come up over the next few minutes that the kind of grapple fuck technical wrestling matches are my jam. They're my personal favorite thing to watch. And that was a phenomenal version of that, uh, possibly topped only by elimination chamber. The next match. Uh, Daniel Bryan versus Drew Gulak is one of my favorite matches of the year because it came out of nowhere. Uh, Daniel Bryan also had a great match with AJ Styles. The only reason I dropped that off is because it suffered being on live TV and having commercials. Um, then I have uh, Kyle O'Reilly versus Finn Balor, TakeOver 31. Uh, again, same grapple fuck style, same grapple fuck station. Uh Second place would be the Revolution tag team match, Bucks and uh, Hangman and Omega. I do want to point out that I notably don't have any women's matches on here. 
and that might surprise and piss off a couple of people. Uh, Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley from TakeOver a couple weeks back almost made it on. The Hell in a Cell match almost made it on. The build killed it for me. The lack of a build, the botched build killed that for me. So my match of the year, and again, you might have seen this coming, is Walter versus Ilya Dragunov from uh, NXT UK. Have you? I know. You well, yeah. Uh, no, that's one of the matches. I, I actually, I'm going to catch hell for this. It's one of the matches that I have literally sat down to watch like ten different times, and not I, even, I, and not even I got understand. to start it because shit keeps coming up. Little kid, little job. I understand. You, you know, I understand you know completely. the shit, man. But I, I, of course, that's the match of the year for you because it's it's a heavy hitter. A lot of people loved it. It definitely was up there and 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 something that had I watched it, it definitely would have been in the consideration. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love the differentials of our lists. I want to say specifically for that match of the year that the reason it got solidified over the tag team match, because again, that is probably the best tag team match I've ever seen. There was a couple of factors that went into it. One being, I mean, flat out great match on its own, right? It is a great Walter match and Walter does not have bad matches. <laughs> um, if you remember Walter versus uh, Tyler Bate was my match of the year last year. Yes, uh, it was. So that's two years in a row that he's won. Walter in a main event position is a great storyteller in the ring. Ilya Dragunov is also a great storyteller. Um, the build really wasn't there because NXT UK really wasn't there. But sure. the two of them had the most violent match I think I've ever seen in, in terms of a non-weapon-based match. Um, they beat the living shit out of each other. They looked like they'd been through a car crash, and all they did was put hands on each other. Um, the story is great, but the reason the the nod that it got, and you mentioned it with your match that you're being one of the last we had with the live crowd, the last really hot crowd. There was no crowd for this at all. There was no one else in the arena other than camera crew. Damn. And it made it better because you could hear every impact. You could hear the selling. You could hear you, it. You felt it that much more. You could hear a pin drop in that arena otherwise. And it got the nod because for match of the year for me because you could not have that any other year. That match in 2019, probably in that top 10 list, but it wouldn't be number one because it, there's no match that is more indicative and could not happen to any other year than that match. And to me, that defines match of the year. Hell yeah. So. I put way too much thought into these things. No, it's good that you do, man. I just, uh, when I make my lists, like, I don't have the propensity to go back and rewatch everything because a lot of times I don't remember where everything came from. So when I'm writing this list, I'm scrolling and looking at what you say or the things going, well, what did I remember really loving? What sticks out first? And usually what stuck out first is what I think should go there. And that's right. And that's, that's that's valid. That's completely valid. Honestly, like I said, I've written rewatched because I've had time off this week. I went and rewatched all those top 10 matches um, because I wanted to solidify. I actually had more than that. I had the women's matches on there. I had, you know, Reigns and Drew McIntyre is another great example uh, that didn't make that. I wanted to cut back to a top 10. But if I hadn't had that time to sit and go back over them, it would have been just gut reaction only. And it would have been a lot harder for a lot of those moments. Um. The year in review, like 
we couldn't have had a more fucked up year as for, in terms of wrestling, good, bad, indifferent, whatever. We get, we ran the gamut for sure. Yeah. We went from crazy crowds on a boat and what may be the, honestly, the best Royal rumble of all time to no crowds to the weirdest WrestleMania of all time, a two day WrestleMania. Do you think now, if we went back and rewatched the entirety of WrestleMania 36, being used to the no crowd that we would enjoy it more? Because I think say. with time, I've become more like understanding that we can't have a crowd. So it's just like, okay, I'm I'm back to focused on the wrestling. And right. I think in a lot of ways, when it first happened, I was like, kind of pissed off. Like, oh, we don't have fucking crowds. Like, it takes away from it. The energy is not does. there. It does. It um, Hard to say because I the card to me wasn't as strong. Other than other than the Boneyard match and other than the Firefly Funhouse match, what do you remember from that show? The the match of the night to me is probably either is probably Kevin Owens and Rollins. I was gonna say Kevin Owens going off the top of that fucking sign through the table was pretty or, sick. Or Ripley and uh, Ripley and Charlotte. But even so, those not neither of those made our match of the year. It's like the card wasn't quite there, and partially because of COVID. You know, you had. You had an you had Austin Theory in WrestleMania because they didn't have anybody else to fill the role. You know, it also stands to reason that WWE has not been that strong this year. You know, in terms of in terms of overall quality, WrestleMania suffered because WWE suffered. Yeah. Um, but we go from there to having these weird matches at AEW in a what looked like a warehouse. You know, to Daly's place where we have a little bit of crowd coming back. You know, we had the advent of the cinematic matches. We have the big moments of the year. The, you know, the the people starting to come out, like the Orange Cassie starting to take a, a, a full role in. You have Brody Lee showing up. Um, the TNT title getting introduced. You have um, call ups. You have you have another draft, which we haven't had in a while. We didn't even talk about how unique it was that Brody destroyed the OG like version one mm -hmm. destroyed version one of the TNT title mm -hmm. only for now for Brody jr. To be TNT champion for life uh, in mm -hmm. his own way, which is awesome. We have, you know, we have kind of the, the slow burn of not having any uh, indie wrestling. We haven't really even gotten to talk much about the fact that new Japan only was active for about half the year. Yeah. NWA fell by the wayside for the most part. Uh, something we were really hot on at the beginning of the year fell off. So, I mean, 2020 in review has been wild. I mean, 2020 is 2020. That's all needs to be said. However, 2020 in wrestling was a roller coaster. It definitely Ups, was. Downs, we went from having Becky Lynch to having Lana. We went from having suplex city and you know lesnar being the dominant dominating the first hour of the rumble to he hasn't been seen since roman reigns is the, now the king of the yeah. mountain yeah we had you know reigns was gone for the first half of the year now he's taken over it's true uh we had uh think back to the beginning of the year chris jericho was your AEW champion now we're at kenny omega and the two haven't been in the same ring other than the uh, the uh, stadium stampede. 
we've seen more of Daly's place than I think we ever planned on. We we'll, never we'll in 2020 so. got a match that we did get advertised as well. Yeah. Blood and guts. Yeah. Never happened. If you asked me, in, uh, if you had told me the phrase WWE Thunderdome in 2019, I don't know what the fuck you're talking you about. You probably would have laughed hysterically at me. I I did anyway when they announced it. But, uh, but yeah, you have the advent of the virtual screens everywhere that uh, rains through Owens out of the screens last night. Damn. On SmackDown. Um, we had the advent of screens that led to people posting pictures of Benoit and the KKK on them. Um, and AEW logos. Yeah, we have Kenny Omega showing up. <laughs> I still think we have that Chuck Taylor was was watching, and I got that picture of him. It, that guy looked just like yeah. fucking Chuck well, Taylor. Kenny, Kenny said he did. Yeah. Um, you have Rey Mysterio's family showing up. Dominic Mysterio is an active wrestler now. Weird ass world, man. Twenty twenty was uh, we lost Vanguard one. We lost Pat Patterson. We lost Brody Lee. We lost. We lost Brody Lee. We lost the Fink. You know. Um, mm. We lost Keith Lee's music. Oh, and his <laughs> ring gear. Um. Yeah, I, there's not really a good way to put a bow in 2020, other than. Wow. Just a peace out, wow. 2020. We did yeah, it. Just, we survived. Get out of here. We're gonna go do other things now in 2021. That we're we will never listen. I said it. Okay, so I've I don't know if I said it on the show. I work at a cannabis dispensary. I love my job. It's fucking great. I bought a pre rolled joint that was called Unforgettable just to smoke on <laughs> New Year's Eve because. 2020 in my opinion in my 33 and almost 34 years of existence not in a good way 2020 is the most unforgettable year it is going to leave a everlasting impact on all of our lives that's crazy to say I but it's 100% factual. agree um 2020 and this is not just outside of wrestling unforgettable yes there's good things you know there oh, are yeah. the coming people coming together it was a good thing um, you really took stock of the people in your life for multiple reasons, whether that was because you hadn't seen them in forever or because they pissed you off to an amazing amount. Um, and you're right. It, this will 2020 as a whole this is the most seminal moment in our generation right now. I, I, and, you know, I would say nine 11 would be that as well, because that is still falling within the same 20 year span. Crazily. So I mean, so, I mean, it's hard to say that which of the two is the more seminal moment, the more memorable moment of the year. However, when you can say that you had more people die on a daily basis than died in nine eleven, kind of weighs it in that twenty twenty factor. Um, look at we're a wrestling show, man. <laughs> no, man, it's I, real. We were just trying to bring the goodness to the people, man. And I will say, yeah. listen, I want to. Not, I don't know if this is an award, but I want to give a special shout-out to you, Buckles, for being my podcast co-host on this show. I think we do an amazing job together. We got to get through all this wrestling. This is one of the most unique years of professional wrestling. And mm -hmm. to be able to say, like, hey, 
you know, in five years, do you want, let's go back and listen to some of those episodes we dropped during 2020 and just re-experience how we felt about that year. Because I'm sure there's things that I said that you said that we both said that we don't even remember saying that are on those archives of just like what we were living in and what we were actually experiencing. So I think that's very unique. I'm gonna for sure. I'm gonna look back. I'm gonna look back in 10 years and see 45 year old me going, man, he swore a lot. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing no, wrong no. with that at all. No. But. I think that's a, probably, unless you've got anything additional to throw at us, I think that's a beautiful place to wrap this one up in a bow. I don't have a good episode title for this one. Uh, oh, I do. I, think R- I do. I I would say R.I.P. Brody is, is uh, what I would suggest. But. I, I was going to say, just because it's the two things we talked about today, that the episode should be called The Exalted 2020 Awards. But I, I would almost say the Brody Awards. But... Yeah, uh, we'll figure sure. it out. the The name yeah. always comes later, folks. That's not important. Yeah, it's we don't have we don't have shit covered below you're jerking off of Samoan today. We're gonna be a little more respectful of that. Totally, totally, totally. Great back to back terrible episode titles. Buckles, oh, come on. Before no, not in a bad way. Just like goddamn. Uh, but before we get out of there, why don't you quickly uh, let people know about uh, you know the Twitter and stuff? Yeah. Um, if you want to follow us, GIW on JIC, I get the feeling you're wanting to promote this because you have the logo on the screen. <laughs> right now it's on there. It's over our faces. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, yeah, follow us on GIW on JIC on Twitter. Uh, look us up on Facebook as well. Follow anybody else in the Journey into Wrestling podcast. You can also follow us on the YouTube now. Yeah, this, get our this YouTube. This wonderful video that you're seeing around you and all this this wonderful thing and screens you see above us and below us and logos and everything will be on the YouTube going forward. I don't know why I continue calling it the YouTube, but I will. Um, it's great. I love the YouTube. But uh, yeah, that you can follow us there. Tweet back to us. Interact with us. I am happy to shoot the shit with anybody. I will continue try uh, trying to live tweet Raw and SmackDown, maybe AEW as often as I can. But by all means, have uh, have some conversations with us. Fuck yeah! And if man. you're gonna throw it to me on the the social media feed, I need to follow it to you. Where else can they find the Journey into Wrestling podcast? Oh, man, that was perfect. So what we can do here is tell you guys that you can check out the Journey into Wrestling podcast on all the different podcasting platforms, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and many others. Just search Journey into Comics Network. Also, get us like Buckle said on the YouTubes. You're going to want to subscribe to our YouTubes. Go below, click the little thing, get the bell, the notification bell. That way, when we put up new shit, you're notified immediately. You're not surprised when we're releasing new episodes. And like, I missed a whole week. No, we you just recorded late. That's what happened. We can do the whole, uh, you know, we are YouTube content providers. Give us a like and a subscribe and hit the hit that button down low. And, oh, God. Oh, yeah. Now we're in 2020. We're really, or 2021. We're really doing it up big. Check I'm it not out. Making, I'm not making an Instagram. I'm not doing it. It's not happening. <laughs> Folks. Also want to say this, go to journeyintocomics.com where you can get all the different shows on our network. Also go through the archives of amazing shows. we got 1,300 different podcasts for your listening pleasure on all kinds of different shit across the board. You can find it if you like movies and food or talking about politics or adulting or you want to just be random as shit or you want to drink beer or play comics comics or you want to fucking do board games or smoke weed or whatever it is you're into we've probably got something for you here at journey into comics just make sure to check it out again buckles thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of journey into wrestling is there anything else to add before we finally finally roll out happy new year and fuck 2020 i will share that sentiment (laughs) happy new year 
fuck 2020. <laughs> As always, for Journey into Wrestling, I'm Nate. I'm Buckles. And until we see you guys next time, join Dark Order. Later, guys.